you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Uh, but before I get there, let me say, as we've already said so many times today, congratulations to all of our graduates. Can we put our hands together one more time and congratulate them? This is a tremendous feat. I know in your lives and moms and dads, just know that every paper that you wrote for your child, it is all paid off, right? It's all worked out and they are now officially um, graduates. I know that this is a memory for uh, those of you who are grads, by the way, and really moms and dads alike. Um, this is a memory that's going to be etched in your minds forever. Uh, this is one of those moments, these milestone moments in our life. I still remember at my graduation, I was wearing jean cargo pants and some Timberlands, right? So today I broke out the Jordans uh, for all of you young people, all right? So that's what I'm wearing. For all of you more mature folks, I put on the sport coat, all right? So don't judge me, okay? There's a balance here um, that we're working towards today. But we're going to be in the book of Joshua today, and before I get started, I want to remind you why we are walking through this series, okay? We've talked about this, that the decisions we make in our lives really determine the people that we're going to become. And even Brian mentioned it a moment ago that one of the objectives of our lives over the past six weeks or five weeks, really, um, has been that to move us through the threshold of good intention into good decision. Um, we always have good intention. In fact, every year begins this way when we set New Year's resolutions. We want to begin by getting our family back in church. By the way, uh, we had, what, 30-something graduates across the stage, and my wife and I looked at each other, and, and we agreed um, that almost every single one of them are active, actively involved in the life of the church. Okay? That's a, that's a good feat. Um, so I hope they'll stay that way um, in the years to come. Uh, but anyway, one of the things we want to do is move you to cross that threshold of good intention to good decision. And I tell graduates all the time uh, that the first three or four weeks of your um, college years are going to determine the next four years. Um, what you do, the friend groups you make, the things you decide in the first three or four weeks will determine the rest of your college career. And what, I, what that means is if you, if you immediately attach yourself to the wrong crowd, well, you can expect to make a lot of bad decisions uh, for pretty much for the rest of the four years. If you attach yourself to the life of the church, to a, a, a people who's going to hold you accountable, love on you, point you to Jesus, then you can expect the next three or four years of your life uh, to go well um, according to plan. So anyway, all that to say, that's kind of what we want. We want to move you from good intention to good uh, decision. Um, graduation, by the way, is a time of paradox. I shared this uh, with our graduates last year, and I kind of revisited it this year. It's a time of paradox because it's excitement for many of us, but that's combined with fear. It's new beginnings, but those new beginnings are actually blurred with uncertain endings. For many of us, on one hand, today is a very exciting day. It's a day that we are, we're celebrating the achievements and the accomplishments that we've made in our lives. In fact, for those graduates that were like me, we're thinking, man, now I have independence, right? And moms and dads, that means take the credit card. Yeah, like they, they don't have it if they don't want to function any dependently on you. Um, but this is a, a day of independence for them, and it's exciting. But on the other hand, it's a day that's fairly frightening. I mean, they're thinking in the back of their heads, who's going to wash my clothes? Who's going to cook me meals, right? Who's going to make my dinner? Who, who are my roommates going to be? Will I like my roommates? Will my roommates like me? That's something that we all have navigated through. But growing up, can and, 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 and is indeed a daunting, daunting task. And these are some of the same emotions, by the way. Uh, same emotions that Joshua felt 
in Joshua chapter 1. I mean, the time had come for Joshua to graduate. The time had come for Joshua to become the leader that God designed him to be. Joshua's assignment that was given to him by God was to lead God's people into the promised land. And now it was time for Joshua to step up and to do what God had called him to do. If you remember, Israel's famous leader, Moses, is now dead. And Joshua now has some very big shoes to fill. If you remember the life of Moses, Moses led God's God's people for, what, four decades. He had a very unique relationship with God. In fact, if you walk through the Pentateuch, the first five books of of the Old Testament, what you're going to learn is that his relationship with God is one that you and I would envy. We would want a relationship with God like he had. But because of Moses' disobedience, God did not allow Moses to lead God's people into the promised land. And that's what brings us to Joshua chapter 1. It's in Joshua chapter 1 that God puts Joshua in charge of a new generation of people. And this new generation of people, they are standing on the edge of the Jordan River And they're anxiously anticipating going into the land that they were promised by God. And this brought to the surface in Joshua's life, much like this day brings into the surface many emotions in our life, all sorts of emotions. Joshua was excited. God's people have waited for this moment for a long, long time. In fact, decades upon decades they've awaited for this moment. But it also brought a moment or emotions of fear, anticipation, even anxiety. But I want you to hear this and hear it clearly. Decision-making was fairly easy for Joshua because he knew he existed for the glory of God. In fact, this reminds me of a quote that I found from Roy Disney. Roy Disney says this, Decision-making is easy when your values are clear. And I think that's true not only for graduates, but it's true for us as moms and dads, as mature adults. To think about the reality that decision-making actually gets easier as our values become clearer. If we anchor our lives in the Word of God and what we value becomes, or what God values, we start to value, then all of a sudden making decisions is easier. How? Because every decision and choice we make, we start to vet it and to filter it through the Word of God. We know that it's really not us making the decision at all. It's just us keeping our lives in tune with His Word. And that's exactly what this series has been all about. So if we're going to do this, this is what I hope to do today. I want Joshua's life to inspire our lives, okay? I want Joshua's life to inspire our graduates' lives, but I also want Joshua's life to inspire our parents' lives. I want, no matter where you're at in that spectrum, I want Joshua's life to inspire ours. But there's three things that we see in the life of Joshua that we need to see in our own lives if we're going to live the lives that are faithful and obedient like Joshua lived. And the first one is this. First thing we must do is submit to the plans of God. Submit to the plans of God. It says this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them to the people of Israel. The first thing that you and I need to know, graduate, you need to hear this, but parent, we need to hear it as well. The first thing that we need to know is the plans of God will often look different than the plans of you. The plans of God will often look different than the plans of you. Joshua spent the vast majority of his life in the school of Moses. He had plans. 
He had places that he wanted to go. He had people that he wanted to see. He had plans of his own that he had conjured up. He served as Moses' assistant. But Moses, the Bible said, had passed away. And now it's Joshua's time to grow up. It's Joshua's time to graduate. It's Joshua's time to lead. And God says to Joshua, now, therefore, arise. There's no more opportunity to sit and soak. It's now your chance to stand up and go and do the work that I've called you to do. By the way, this word arise in its original language, it means to take decisive action. And it technically means to take decisive action by standing up and moving forward. It means to get up and to ready yourself for what God has already told you to do. Simply put this morning, it means to submit your will and your way to the plans of God, not necessarily to the plans of you. Listen, graduate, mom, dad, people and plans will fail you, but God never will. There will be plans that you make for yourself that will expire literally within the first month of your school. I can't tell you how many times I changed my degree, how many degree changers in here. A lot of us, we had these plans going into school and all of a sudden something derailed those plans, something changed those plans, and all of a sudden our plans were shattered. If you don't know how to handle that, if you're not flexible, if you're not willing just to watch how the Spirit works and follow His prompting and follow His moving, your life will be a wreck. But you can trust that even though people and even though plans will fail, God never will. I love Proverbs 16.3 where he says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. He didn't say any specific thing that you do. He says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. If you go to school, commit it to the Lord. If you go into the workforce, commit to the Lord. If you're, gonna, if you're mom and dad, commit to the Whatever you do, he says, commit to the Lord. And he will establish your plans. He will establish your steps. Here he says to Joshua, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them. That's God's plan for his people. His plan will not fail. And he's telling Joshua, no matter what Joshua's plans were, this is my plan, and as long as you follow me, my plan will prevail. You know what I find interesting about this? God's plan did not depart when Moses died. You realize that? God's plan didn't depart when Moses died. Why? Because God's plan wasn't dependent on Moses. It was dependent on God. And God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the plans of God will indeed move forward, even despite you. God has a plan, and he will see his, his plan to fruition. It's you and I's responsibility to follow him faithfully. Listen to this. If you want to honor God with, the, with how, you, how, how you'll spend the rest of your life, you will need to include him in the planning process. I'm still learning this today. Many of you, you get, you get the chance of learning it even earlier than I. Proverbs 19, 21, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but this is the Lord's plan, and the Lord's plan will prevail. And we need to understand that we have to submit our lives to the plans of God, no matter where we are in the course of life. So that's the first thing I want you to understand, is submit to the plans of God. The second thing is seize the promises of God. Not only do we need to learn from Joshua what it looks like to submit our plans to the plans of God, but we also need to learn from Joshua what it looks like to seize the promises of God. Look at verse 3. It says this, Every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given to you. God is saying to Joshua, I've already done the work. I've already given this to you. And he says, just 
as I, has, as I have promised to Moses. See, God promised the land back in verses 2 and 3. And God promised to go with them as they go to possess the land in verse 5. Look what it says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You know that those words, I will not leave you nor forsake you, were especially encouraging to Joshua because Joshua knew that once he crossed the Jordan River, life wasn't going to get even easier. It was actually going to get more difficult because the first task that Joshua was assigned to do is to go to Jericho and to fight a battle. He was to go to this fortified city that was known for how powerful they were, and he he was to go and conquer it. Life wasn't going to get easier. He was just comforted by God's word of knowing that he who was promised is going to be faithful and through the battle he would, not be, he would not be left or forsaken. So as God leaves us, there are many promises that we too must seize. The best advice that I can give to you graduates, the best advice that I can give to us as a church is to know the promises of God so that we can seize the promises of God. In fact, your Bible is filled with 7,000 promises throughout the pages of scripture. 7,000 promises. God promises to give you strength in moments of weakness. You ever had a weak moment? I mean, what if you knew the promises of God so that you could call out to God in those moments of weaknesses so that he could supply the strength that you need? He promises to give you rest in moments of weariness. Ever felt weary or tired or exhausted? Well, he promises to give you rest. He promises to provide for every single need that you have, not every single want that you have, but he says every single need that you have. You ever notice how as you go through life and you're faithful to the Lord, it just seems that that everything in life is taken care of? He, He just has this way of working all the details out. He promises to hear you, to listen to you, to speak to you. He promises to be near, he says, to the brokenhearted. He promises to comfort the afflicted. He promises to work everything out for the good for all of those who are called according to his purpose, those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He promises to never leave you, to never forsake you. I mean, there are just bukus of promises that are filling the pages of Scripture that you and I, if we will seize them and call them back to God, we can trust that he who promised will be faithful to deliver. And we be wise not only to submit our plans to the plans of God because he's going to do what he wants to do anyway, but we'd also be wise to seize the promises of God because he who promised will have to deliver because that's who he is. It's his character. If he promised it, he can't do anything but deliver upon that promise. That's the beauty of the God that we served. He will not fail. So first, if we're going to live the kind of life that Joshua lived, we need to submit to the plans of of God. Second, we need to seize the promises of God. And third, we need to soak in the presence of God. Soak in the presence of God. Look at verse 5 again. It says this, just as I was with Moses. How often we skip over little, what seem like insignificant words, like the word with. As often as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. If you read it in its original language, the Hebrew would read like this. I will never make you sink. I will never drop you. Anybody need to hear that word today? Some of you, you feel like you're sinking. 
Some of you, you feel like somebody's dropped you. And he's saying, I'll never leave you in those moments. Will you feel like you're sinking in life? Absolutely. I mean, will you feel like you're failing in life? Sure. But you can rest assured that the promises of God will never fail and the presence of God will never cease. The same promise God gave Moses and the same promise God gave Joshua, he has given to you and I today. Hebrews 13, 5 says it this way, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. If you're one of those who think that the Old Testament doesn't apply today, well, good. It's in the New Testament too. So you can trust that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And by the way, if you think it doesn't apply, you're wrong. I just want you to know that. All right, so notice how the author sets this text up, though, because I think it's beautiful, and it's really strategic. Notice how he does it. The presence of God is like two pieces of bread in one sandwich with strength and courage as the meat. Look at verse 5. He says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Verse 5, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Verse 6, this is the meat. Be strong. Be courageous. Verse 7, only be strong. And be very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and be very courageous. And then he ends verse 9 like this. For the Lord is with you wherever you go. If there's one thing that God wanted Joshua to know. And if there's one thing that he wants you graduates to know. And if there's one thing he wants you moms and dads to know. And if there's one thing he wants you grandmas and grandpas to know. And if there's one thing he wants your friends and your family to know. If there's one thing he wants our church to know. That no matter what he calls us to do, we can rest assured that he who promised will never fail. And he'll always be with us through the difficult moments and the difficult days. And that's good news for us all. So soak in the presence of God. Listen to the words of Moses. Listen to these words when God called Moses to a daunting task. He says this in Exodus 33, 15. Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, don't take us to the promised land. Do you realize that the leader of God's people just told God, listen, I know that's the land filled with milk and honey. And I know that's the land where all blessings flow. And I know that's the land that we have anticipated and longed for for the entirety of our lives. I know that's that land. And I know that land is supposed to be good. That land is supposed to be prosperous. That land is supposed to bring us our best life now, if you will. But he says this, don't send us to that land if you're not going to go with us. In other words, don't chase the things of this world. Chase the author of the things of the world. Don't chase the blessing. Chase the blesser. Don't chase what the world offers you. Chase the one who created the world in the first place. And his name is God. Listen, the presence of God is more valuable than anything this world will ever offer you. I love how the hymnist said it. What do you say? The things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. As long as we sit and as long as we bask and as long as we pursue and as long as we chase the things of God, the things of this world have a weird way of growing strangely dim in our lives. Church family, graduates, moms, dads, parents, friends, family. One, congratulations. But two, Always, always, always submit to the plans of God. Always, always, always seize the promises of God. And never, never, never flee the presence of God.